0: This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between VSB students and our world-class faculty. Hi, my name is Kelsey Wong, and I'm a current sophomore majoring management information systems in real estate. I'm here with Dr. David Anderson, assistant professor of analytics here at VSB. Today we are talking about Professor Anderson's research on the gender wage gap and companies approach to this issue. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. To get started, can you tell me a little bit about your background and what motivated you to begin this research?
1: So I did my PhD at Maryland, and my advisor is from Iceland, and Iceland, as we know, just recently passed uh, a very strong equal pay for equal work law that says, um, unlike here in the United States where we have equal pay for equal work laws, that companies can be sued if they don't meet the standard in Iceland, the most recent law that they passed says that companies have to actually affirmatively prove that they meet the standard, so that they have to go like achieve certification, they have to run the analysis proactively and show that they meet the standard. So the COO of one of the banks in Iceland came to her and said that they hired PricewaterhouseCoopers to come measure their pay gap. Um, they found about a 6.5% pay gap, and they were going to come and they were going to sit here for a year. They were going to think really hard about it. They were going to take the gender pay gap into account when they made their annual raise decisions, when they made initial salary decisions and promotion decisions. A year later, after thinking really hard about the pay gap, they hired PwC to come in again, and the pay gap was still exactly 6.5% because, like, thinking really hard about these things doesn't actually change it. Um, so they came to Margaret and said, you know, we need quantitative tools to fix this. How can we measure it? How can we see what, what impact our decisions will have on the pay gap? Um, so that's where this research came from was a company came to us, and then Margaret came to me because I was her student and do all the analytics.
0: Going a little further into that, what do you think are some of the biggest motivators for companies to start considering this problem besides the social perspective?
1: So one of the big reasons companies do it is legislation, that um, companies don't always go do the right thing on their own, that laws help them along. So that's one big reason is legislation. So in the U.S., individual states have laws to be a federal contractor, to get contracts from the government, you have to meet equal pay standards or these sorts of things. So one big reason is the regulatory umbrella second reason companies do it is for employee morale, recruitment, retention, all these things, that people like to work for companies where they feel like they're valued, where they're equally paid, where they're not being penalized for, for their gender. So we see there are, are companies like L'Oreal in 2016, I think, um, put out a big press release um, and they get all this positive press for showing that we're an equal pay employer and that helps you recruit talent, maintain talent. Um, when we look now, the majority of college graduates are women that a lot of the young talent in this country... As female and companies want to pursue that.
0: So your research paper begins by outlining how companies handle the issue now. Uh, What are some of the common ways you see companies go about solving this problem even if they try to attempt these changes?
1: So when companies start trying to do this uh, the first thing that we look at is we see hey I have a six and a half percent pay gap. Um, Some of the companies we've talked to in Iceland look and they say I don't know what to do so I'm just gonna give every woman a six and a half percent raise. There's a couple of problems with this. One, it ends up being extraordinarily expensive sometimes that if you have a large pay gap, you're giving raises. And two, you might be giving raises to women who already are overpaid. You might be giving raises to women who aren't really impacting the pay gap. So that's sort of what one of the things we see here is that that's sort of the naive approaches of, of just saying, oh, we have this gap, let's fix it sort of with a broad brush is that you end up missing out on, on a lot of the nuance and where the pay gap is coming from and and how do we target where it's really going to do the most good.
0: What are some of the um, specific feasible options for companies to try and fix this problem?
1: So we look and we have a few things that we, we want to focus when we help companies close their pay gap. We want to help them do it as fairly as possible. That We want to help them rationalize their pay structures that we want to give raises to, to women who are underpaid, women who are, are causing larger impacts on the pay gap. So we find people who help close the pay gap the most, who are the most underpaid, um, and give these raises to these women that are really causing the pay gap where it comes from. So instead of finding women who are relatively overpaid, then we would expect that we find the women who are going to do the most good when we close the pay gap.
0: Were there any finds in your research that kind of stood out or surprised you?
1: So one of the things that we find most interesting, um, and sort of in the academic research papers we do, we dig into the statistical models of how we, we close the wage gap. And we find that there are actually some men that if you give them a raise, it will make the pay gap look smaller. If there are extreme outliers on some of the, the traits that, that differentiate men and women, if, say, for example, in your company, men have much more experience than women – that if you take the very most experienced man and give him a very large raise, it makes experience look like a more important factor and gender look like a less important factor in determining pay. So the way that we statistically measure this pay gap, you can make it look smaller by giving men raises, which is super counterintuitive, and we thought it was really interesting. Um, And when you look at some of the press announcements that are out there like Salesforce and some of these other companies that have closed their pay gaps sort of buried in there you see that they give men and women raises and we think that this might be a little bit of what they're doing there.
0: What are some of the common failures or even potential points of concern that companies should look out when they're trying to implement these solutions?
1: So the main thing is that you should with any analytics you want to make sure that that you have your sort of specific one uh, targeted goal in mind, but you also want to have like the, the secondary implications um, thinking about this. So instead of like trying to close the pay gap as cheaply as possible, you want to look and say, what's this going to do to my overall wage structure? Am I making sure that these raises are being given equitably across the organization? Are they being targeted at, at women who, who seem to be underpaid so that we, that we want it to be transparent, we want it to be fair, we want it to be um, coherent and aligned with the strategic objectives of the company?
0: Could you tell me a little bit about your company, Pay Analytics, and what motivated you to start that?
1: So Pay Analytics came out of that first consulting kind of engagement that we had with the first bank in Iceland, um, and then we worked with Reykjavik Energy. We did sort of the same thing that they looked, and they would measured a pay gap and wanted quantitative tools to figure out how much is each woman impacting the pay gap, how much will it raise to each woman, change it, like who's overpaid, who's underpaid, how can we figure these things out? And they, they, uh, especially at Reykjavik Energy, they really liked the work that we did for them. And the HR manager we worked with was like, this is great. You should sell it. And we're like, I guess we should. So we started a company we incorporated in 2017. And we've grown ever from there. We have 23 customers now, all in Iceland, although we are expanding internationally as we speak.
0: What are some goals you have in mind for your company for the future?
1: So we want to help companies measure and close their pay gap. Um, so the medium-term goals that we have now is we want to take it internationally. We have almost 10% of Iceland's workforce covered by our system. So that's 20,000 employees or so covered. We want to expand out. France, with Macron just passed a very strong pay gap law, so we're looking to expand to France. Some of the Pacific countries, so New Zealand, Australia, are very egalitarian, have uh, lots of interest on the pay gap, so we're headed there. And obviously bringing it to the states once laws and social pressures catch up.
0: Yeah, and then getting a little more into um, the characteristics of your clients. What type of companies come to you? And how do you target companies that don't think that they have a problem or companies that don't really care as much as they should?
1: So what types of companies? We work with mostly medium to large companies. So our smallest client is around 50 employees. That The sort of statistical work that we do only works if you have enough people to actually measure a pay gap. So we're working to develop tools for smaller companies, but now it's mostly medium to larger companies, but they're across all sectors of the economy. We have companies in banking, we have in finance and technology, in retail and services. Um, any company that has employees, you know, we have heavily blue collar um, fishing industry, we have banking and technology, we have, you know, insurance, we have energy companies. So anybody who's hiring and paying people
0: Thank you so much for sharing your research and background. It's always great to see an intersection between social concerns and business, especially on an international scale. Um, And I appreciate the dedication you and your team have to this particular problem. And thanks again for speaking with me today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research
1: topics with our world-class faculty.